Wow. How are your uh, New Year's resolutions going? Remember I told you a few weeks ago that January 9th is officially the day when most people's resolutions are over? January the 9th. Well, here we are on January the 29th, 20 days after the date when most people don't live out their resolutions anymore. I want to tell you this today, that if we're going to say goodbye to the old ways, the old habits, the old behaviors that are detrimental, that are hurting you, the old behaviors that are hurting your family or your marriage, the old behaviors that maybe are hurting your relationship, your employee, the employees that you work with, the, your boss, I don't know, those behaviors that are hurting your health, then we're going to have to find uh, something more than just the ritual of setting resolutions. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, doctors and psychologists and, and therapists have tried all sorts of, of techniques to help people change. They've tried medications, they've tried you know, special therapies, uh, motivational talks, tapes, hypnosis. I don't know, maybe some of you have tried that. Uh, special exercises, interventions. In fact, there's TV programs devoted to interventions. And the thing is this, folks, is that although these, these therapists, these doctors mean well, there's something that is really lacking in all this, and I'm going to tell you what that is in just a few moments. Back in the 1980s and 90s, some of you may remember this, um, there were special cassettes that were developed by some very, well, shall we say, enterprising people. They thought what we're going to do is we're going to develop cassette tapes. Everybody remembers what cassettes are? Remember we talked about that? It was before CDs. Um, and the idea is that you put that cassette on and you listen to the cassette as you're falling asleep and then this cassette continues to play. So you kind of have it right by your ear. And then the idea is that the messages that are on that cassette, that tape, would somehow get into your subconscious. And so what your conscious mind is unable to do, they figure that the subconscious mind can do. And the idea is that it's going to somehow brainwash you. Now, I could tell you there's nobody... Nobody in this room that would wish that could happen more than me. I would just love it if I didn't have to worry about my behavior anymore or my habits. All I had to do was go, to, go lie down on my bed and turn on a tape and let my subconscious mind be scolded and told what to do. That would be just awesome if it was that easy. Well, you know, we, I don't think in, the night, in, in this century or this millennium, millennium that, we, uh, that we have that sort of thing anymore, although I think it's still persisting a little bit. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is it doesn't work. There's something far, far greater that God wants to do in you than just try to inform your subconscious. God wants you to be transformed. Some of you may have uh, been taught since you became a Christian that the thing that God wants for you is that you become rich, uh, that you always be happy, that uh, you never have a problem, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that this is simply not true. What God wants for you more than anything is that you become like Jesus. Did you know that today? That is God's number one plan for your life, that you become like Jesus, that you live like Jesus, you think like Jesus, you speak like Jesus. That's God's plan for your life. Now, if you're going to say goodbye to the old and hello new, then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to find out God's prescription. And I can tell you 
There's no hypnosis. There'll be no intervention. There'll be no cassettes or CDs for you to play while you go to bed. I mean, it'd be a great way for us to make money here at Cross Church if I could just make some CDs that you could listen to as you go to bed at night. I mean, some of you go to bed here <laughs> while I'm speaking. Uh, <laughs> uh, we may as well make money off of it, right? There is, there is a far greater way that God wants to transform you. And so I want us to take a look at at this brand new method, which is actually ancient. It's brand new for some of you, but it's the ancient method of God's transforming work in your life. And here it is. Are you ready for it? It's very simple. It's called submitting to God. Would you say that with me? Submit to God. Say it one more time. Submitting to God. Now, for some of you, when you hear the the word submit, it's a dirty word for you, man. You don't want to hear that. I'm my own boss. Um, I'm in charge of my own destiny. Nobody tells me what to do. But here's the thing. If you are, in fact, a Christ follower, or if you're here today and you want God's help in your life, then this is the essence of what it means to get God's help. It means you submit to God. You do things His way. Now, I want us to look at the scripture verse here in Hebrews chapter uh, 12, verse 9 to 11. And, and in case you're sitting here today and you say, hey, that doesn't sound quite right. Well, can I just tell you, what I've done is I've taken the salient uh, parts of those verses, verses 9 to 11. But here's what I want you to do. Not now. I want you to do this later. I want you to get your Bible out and turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and read that for yourself. Uh, I really recommend that you do that and do that today. In fact, right after the service if you can. But these are the, these are the words that I want you to, to recognize and see today. And if you wouldn't mind reading that with me, I'd appreciate it. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Now, here's the thing. If you and I learn what it means to submit to God, if we learn these lessons of submitting to God, then here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, first and foremost, you will experience peace in your life. If you're here today and you don't have peace in your life, then I would say probably the reason that you're not experiencing peace in your life is because you're not submitting to God. God wants you to have peace in your life. He wants you to have peace from day to day. But the way that that's going to happen, friends, is by submitting to God. Because remember this, is that as you are being made into the image of his son Jesus, as you've been made more like Jesus, that is when you experience the peace. And not just, you'll not just experience peace, but you will actually discover how to live. I'm going to tell you, uh, I... After, after years of dealing with abnormalities and, and people who, you know, who are not living right, I'm, I'm tired of that, and I want, I, want, I want right living. I want normalcy in my life. And the way that this comes, folks, is by living the way God has intended for you and I to live. So you'll experience peace in your life. You'll experience right living. You'll learn how to live if you submit to God. And thirdly, you'll be, you'll be trained. You'll be transformed. People who submit to God are trained. They are, they are transformed. They're, they become new people. So the more that you submit to God, the more peace you'll have in your life. The more you submit to God, the more you'll 
learn how to live right, live normal. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, I get people coming all the time, talking to me about, about the abnormalities of the people in their life. And look at God, God wants you to live normal. He wants you to have a happy, normal, healthy life. Submitting to God will show you how to do that. And thirdly, you'll be transformed. You'll be changed. The more that you, you submit to God, the more you're changed. So the only way that you and I are going to say goodbye to the old and hello to the new is by learning what it means to submit to God. Now, here's the, here's the problem for so many. And, and I know this because uh, I know some of you really well. Some of us uh, have not changed at all in, in all the years that we've been serving God. We're still the way we used to be. Look, if you haven't changed, if you're still the old, gossipy, cranky, self-centered, uh, negative person, then there's, there's something radically, dramatically wrong. You need to learn what it means to submit to God. Because God doesn't want you to go carry on like that. In fact, someday the Bible says we're going to have to give an account to God for how we lived in this life. And so what are you going to be saying to God when you get there? If you get there. Okay. So here's, here's what we need to understand first and foremost. If you're going to change, if you're going to be transformed, if you're going to become a new person, if you're going to become like Jesus, the most important thing you need to understand is that you need to have a relationship with God. After studying uh, psychology in Bible school, after reading textbooks and, 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 the, and the latest books on this subject, here's what I've discovered. The one thing that therapists seem to agree upon is that harmful behavior, harmful habits, bad habits, flow out of a person's sense of emptiness. If you're feeling empty, the therapist says, then it's, it's, it's probable that you will try to fill that emptiness with what we call bad behavior or bad habits. Look at what one therapist says. We use bad habits the way drug uh, users use drugs. The bad habit takes our mind away from our boring lives and relieves our stress. The habit creates a reality that doesn't really exist. It's a brief utopia where things are just the way we want them to be. Isn't that exactly what it is? We, we're looking for something. We're feeling empty. We're feeling restless. The other day, uh, Nicholas, Sarah, and, and I were uh, in the kitchen together. And uh, I, I don't know if, if anybody does this, but sometimes when I'm kind of, I'm, not, I'm between tasks, don't know what to do next, I sometimes go to the refrigerator, open it up, and take a look inside. Anybody ever do that? Okay, so we're just, I'm just being honest. I open the fridge, and there's got to be something tasty in here, right? Is there a piece of pie left over from Christmas? Is there nothing in here? Isn't there a piece of cake from Sarah's birthday? Is there something in there? And closed, walk away, come back and check again. <laughs> you ever do that? I mean, I've checked it once, I've checked it twice. Why am I checking it a third time? I and mean, nothing's happened. And I'm, 
I stepped back and I, I caught myself doing that. I, and I, I thought, I kind of chuckled to myself. I thought, man, that's, that's weird. That's really weird, Alan. You ever talk to yourself? It's a sign of something. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that I see Nicholas do exactly the same thing. Opens the fridge. We've got two doors in our fridge. Opens it wide open and just stands there looking inside. As if there were a TV in there or something. <laughs> Looks around, shuffles things around a little bit, closes the doors, walks away. And I'm, the kids are I'm watching now. now. Sarah walks in does exactly the same thing. <laughs> It's like, we're the crazy family, all right? <laughs> so Sarah's looking inside this same way and walks away. What do you think is the cause of that? Well, here's the thing. We all are looking for something. We're all trying to satisfy something within. The question is this, do you know what it is that will satisfy what it is that you're looking for? And I would say this to you today, that it's God. God alone has the ability to satisfy you, to satisfy that emptiness, that longing in your heart. Look what it says here in this verse here. The writer of Hebrews refers to God as the Father of our spirits. Do you understand today that what God wants with us is relationship, We've said this over and over and over again. This is, something, this is a common theme here at Cross Church. But we're not, we're not engaged in a religion. We're engaged in a relationship with God. And the moment that you forget that you have a relationship with God is when you revert to old habits and old behaviors. In fact, if you don't have a strong and growing relationship with your Father in heaven, you will find that you cannot overcome your old destructive behaviors and habits. The writer of Hebrews talks about God as our Father. This is really the essence of our faith. We have a God who is, in fact, the creator of the heavens and the universe. We believe that. But he's more than that. He's so much more than that. He is a loving Father. And I can tell you this, nothing helped me understand my relationship to God more than when I became a father. I remember when Jesse was born, there in Greece, in a, in a hospital in Panorama, St. Luke's, Agios Lucas. And Jesse was just born, and, and this is like it happened yesterday. I was, uh, I was able to stay in the hospital with Gloria. Gloria was sleeping, and I was in the, kind of in a, on a strange little sofa beside her bed, and I had Jesse on my chest. Couldn't do that now. <laughs> had Jesse on my chest, and I was looking at, at him, holding him, and I looked in his eyes, and I said, I said, Jesse, I love you. And I think he spit on me. <laughs> Jesse, I love you. And I said, there's nothing that you could do that would ever make me not love you. I'm your dad forever, and I will love you forever. You're my precious son. Now look at this. He's 21 years old. It'll be 21 in February. And guess what? Nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing has changed, except that I can't hold him on my chest anymore. 
he phoned me when he arrived in Israel. And uh, I said, how are you doing? Because I'm, I'm in security. I said, why are you in security? He says, because they don't believe me that I'm here on a tour. And uh, I said, how long have you been in there? He says, an hour and a half. I said, what about everybody else in the plane? He says, they're all through, but they're holding me. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm angry. How dare they do this to my son? I'm ready to declare war on Israel. <laughs> I wouldn't be the first. <laughs> and by the way, just for the record, if this is on, on the tape, I love Israel. Please don't get mad at me or hurt my son. There's nothing, there's nothing that, that Jesse could do to make me stop loving him. I will, I will go across the oceans on behalf of my son. There's nothing, nothing that my son could do that would make me stop loving him. I was, I was oh, so angry when I heard that that was happening to Jesse. Jesse had spent, raised money, took his own money and spent it to go to Israel and, and, uh, and to tour and get to know the country. And uh, I was praying and said, God, I'm going to take this feeling away from me. I feel so angry. And you know what God said to me? He said, I sent my son to Israel too, and they weren't very nice to him. So I got over it. I got a call back later, and Jesse said, uh, Dad, I, I got through. And I said, how'd you get through? He said, uh, um, well, they kept calling my name, but they don't know how to pronounce Duncalf. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't understand that they were calling for me. And so finally, they were so frustrated with me, they just told me to get out. So they got out. <laughs> now, now, just stop and consider this for a moment. I am ready to go to Israel and to, and to spring my son from the security. I'd do anything for him. Now, if I, who am human, and very, very finite, and yes, even weak, if I... Who, have, who am full of, of weaknesses and shortcomings and failures, could care for and love my son so much, how much more does your Father in Heaven love you and care about you? There is absolutely nothing that I wouldn't do for my son to make sure that he has a great life, a happy life, a successful life. My friends, listen to me. This is what God wants for you. And there's nothing that he won't do on your behalf. And I can prove that because the Bible says, God, God, for God so loved the world. Let's personalize that. For God so loved Alan, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, that's how much God loves you. The beginning of transformation in your life has got to be first and foremost on a daily basis, it has to be an excellent relationship with the Father. You need to be in a great relationship with the Father. You need to be talking to the Father and allowing the talk, Father to talk to you. You say, you mean to tell me that God's going to talk to me? Yeah. This is what we call that. We call that reading the Bible. Because this, this is called God's Word. He wants to talk to you. And you need to fill your heart and your mind with that Word. And you need to pray. You need to tell God. Talk to God. Tell him what's in your heart what you're thinking and how you're feeling. This is the beginning, my friends, of transformation in your life. 
the starting place for any change in your life then is always a satisfying relationship with God. Because when you have a satisfying relationship with God, you know that, that emptiness that the therapist spoke about? Well, that's when that emptiness goes. That's when you feel content. That's when you feel like, you know, I don't have to open the refrigerator four or five times and dig around there and then finally break down and eat whatever comes to mind. You don't need to do that. You don't have to sit, plunk yourself down in front of the TV and watch whatever garbage comes along. You don't have to plunk yourself in front of your computer and fill your mind with nonsense. Find your satisfaction, your fulfillment in God and God alone. Make sure that's number one in your life. I can guarantee you this, folks. Listen to me. If you would go from here and have a daily, a, a rich daily time with God where you are experiencing the joy of relationship, and you know what that is, right? Talking. Talking to God and God talking to you. If you would do that on a daily basis, I guarantee you this. This is a money-back guarantee. You could come to me and you can get angry at me if it doesn't work for you. And uh, we'll see what happens. But listen, if, I can guarantee you this. If you will make, maintain a relationship with God, you will find that your old behaviors, are, your old behaviors will pass away. You will, you will overcome your bad habits, those, those behaviors that are so destructive to you. But it comes first with maintaining a right relationship with God. He loves you so much. Now, can I just tell you this? Because in case anybody leaves here thinking, oh, I just have to have a warm, fuzzy relationship with God and everything will be fine, it's not quite that easy. And I know some of you are thinking, aha, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it couldn't be quite that easy. Because okay, here's the thing. God needs to discipline you and train you. As it says here, he needs to train you in righteousness, train you in the, in the way of, of right living. You need to be trained by God. And that's what the discipline of God is all about. God's discipline is really quite straightforward, in fact. Um, you experience the consequences of your actions. Plain and simple as that. God does not let you off the hook. And so here's the thing. Don't even bother trying to pray that God will let you off the hook because it doesn't work that way. Has anybody ever tried that? You, know, you, you, you deliberately do what you know you're not supposed to do, and then you say, oh, God, please don't let me experience the consequences. Anybody ever done that? I watched it when I was in Bible school, a little boy acting up in church. It was in Elam, Elam Tabernacle. And uh, it was across, across the church on the other side. I was sitting over there. That kid was over there, and the kid was acting up and talking. And the, I could see the father frustrated going like this. Shh, shh. And every time we went, shh, everybody would go like that. And I could see the pastor... He was even looking over to see what the kid was up to, and he, he was talking. I don't think he knew what he was saying, but he was, everybody was looking at this kid. And I, you could hear across the church, you hear the pastor preaching and the father talking to his kid saying, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to take you out and give you you-know-what. So finally, the father, frustrated, picks the kid up, throws him over his shoulder, and as he's, leaving, as he's leaving the sanctuary, the kid yells out to everybody, and there was probably about 600 people there, he yells out to everybody, please pray for me. <laughs> I, you know, I, never, I, I can't remember what that pastor preached on that day, but I can tell you that I remember that event very well. Now, I, look, look at this. Like, nobody prayed for that kid. <laughs> Uh, 
And guess what? He can plead and pray and beg all he wants, but he needs to experience what? The consequences of his behavior. Why? So that he will change. So he will not stay the way he is. Listen to me. God disciplines us so that we will change. Hypnosis is not going to do it. Motivational talks are not going to do it. But a, a little bit of discipline will go a long, long way. And so that's what happens here. Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God disciplines us because he loves us and he wants us to change. And if you submit to that discipline, my friends, that's when you'll experience the changes in your life. That's how you'll overcome your bad habits. That's how you will walk away from bad behavior, from behavior that is not pleasing or acceptable to the Father. You have to submit to the discipline. Now, for some of you, you're sitting here, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking discipline is a, is a dirty word, and I'll tell you why. Maybe, first of all, A, because you were never disciplined growing up, or because when you were disciplined, your parents were disciplining you out of anger. They wanted to, to beat the, the tar out of you because they're, they're mad at you. They weren't so much interested in making you change as much as they wanted to, to get even with you for, for bugging them. And so discipline's a bad word to you. Can I just tell you this? Discipline was never meant as a bad thing. It was meant as a good thing. And I thought for sure everyone would say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. You're all just sitting there, are you sure about this? Yeah, you know what? Discipline is a good thing. It's a fantastic thing. Discipline, someone once said, is like magic. Because it can change you when nothing else can change you. It can make life great for you while nothing else will make life great for you. And I can tell you this. If you are, are you ready for this? If you are a child of God, if you are a son or daughter of the Lord Jesus Christ, of God our Father in heaven, if you belong to the family of God, then you're going to experience the discipline of God in your life. You will experience consequences for your sin. Not because God hates you. No, to the contrary. It's because God loves you, because God cares about you, because God, as it says here, he wants you to live forever. The Father of our spirits who wants us to live forever. So here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Revelation 3.19, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference, from your apathy. Respond to the discipline of God in your life. Say, God, I'm willing to learn from the discipline I'm having in my life these days. Some of you right now are going through this. Some of you are being disciplined by God right now. It's a, it's a difficult time. It's a struggle. And you're, you're, you've been saying, God, I don't want to go through this. And God says, I know, I know. I know you don't want to go through it, but it's for your good. And if you submit to it, you'll be changed. You'll overcome those bad behaviors, those bad habits. You'll become more like my son, Jesus, because that's God's will for us. Now, my house, you know what we do? I discipline my kids. How many know that? A great big strap. No, I don't. I don't have... 
I would if I could. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know what we do at our house? We have fines. I find kids get money for Christmas. They get money for birthdays. And this is the, this is the way that I, I get to discipline the kids. And I say this. If, you don't, if you're not ready for school on time, you get a fine. If you don't make your bed before leaving school, leaving for school in the morning, you get a fine. If you don't do your chores, you get a fine. If you don't respect each other, if you fight, I'm going to fine you. And I can tell you, does it ever work? As soon as I say, I'm going to fine you, it's going to cost you if you don't comply. Guess what, folks? I don't have to yell, I don't have to scream, I don't have to get angry, I don't have to get mad, I just write out a fine, I write out a ticket. Anybody ever get a speeding ticket? We, I give out tickets at my house. <laughs> Here, here's your fine. Pay up. Now, I'll tell you this. There's a soft part of me that says, oh, you know, I don't want to take the poor kids Christmas money or birthday money. It doesn't seem very, very nice, does it? I can tell you what's even worse than taking their birthday money or their Christmas money is that they leave my house when they turn 18 and don't know how to make their bed, don't know how to respect other people, are late all the time, can't complete a task, are irresponsible. Listen, my friends, I want my kids to be a success. I want them to do well. I want that wherever they go, people will like them, they'll appreciate them. I want them to be able to hold on a job and never be fired. I want them to be promoted. I want them to do well. The way that that happens is if I am a faithful father who teaches his children how to do the right thing. Guess what? Your Father in Heaven loves you so much and wants you to be a success, wants you to be happy, wants you to have peace, and wants you to have a life that is normal and right. And the thing that God does is He disciplines us and He doesn't let us off the hook. And you know what I've learned to do as a, myself as a, as a child of my Father in Heaven? I've learned to say, thank you, God. Thank you for disciplining me. Oh, it's not easy. But I've learned. I've learned to embrace it and say, thank you, God, because I know I've been a better man because of it. When I was going to preach at a, at a wedding in Estevan, Saskatchewan, I was probably 25 years old, and I was, I was practicing the sermon on the way driving from Winnipeg to Estevan, and I was just preaching my guts out in the car. Man, it was a good sermon, folks. You would not believe how good it was. Oh, best sermon I ever preached. And I'm just giving her. And the more excited I am about the sermon that I'm preaching and getting to the great point in this sermon, I'm, I've got my foot on the gas pedal. I'm going faster and faster. And this is fantastic. And uh, along comes a cruiser car. I'm passing a semi-trailer. You know, the RCMP can be really sneaky. How many know that? And this guy's tucked in. This, this cop is tucked right in behind a semi-trailer. And as I'm, as I'm sailing along, all of a sudden the lights go on. I look down at my speedometer, and I'm going way over the speed limit. And the guy pulls me over, and he says, what, do you know how fast you're going? Yes. 
Why were you going so fast? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you're not going to believe this, officer. <laughs> I was preaching a sermon. <laughs> he looks in the car, he says, who are you preaching to? <laughs> I said, I'm just practicing, your officer. And I thought, oh, maybe he's going to be nice to me, let me off the hook. I got my ticket. It was a big fine. It's about a quarter of my paycheck, my monthly income. And I, I remember after he let me go, I felt really ticked. I was ticked at the officer. And I was also ticked at God. Anybody ever experienced that? Anybody ever get kind of ticked at God? Kind of like, God, hey, it's me. <laughs> what are you thinking, God? I'm your son. I'm in the ministry. I'm a faithful preacher of the word of God. And I, I work on next to nothing, God. I should be in your good books, God. I should get some special favor, God. Essentially, I'm saying to God, God, I should get special treatment, not like other mere mortals. I'm ordained. I'm Reverend Alan Duncalf, God. Did you not know that? And in case you've forgotten, I'm Reverend Alan Duncalf. And I'm going to preach a sermon. I got nothing but the best intentions at heart. And I could just kind of see God just kind of chuckling at me and saying, sorry, sorry, kid. Can't let you off the hook on this one. Because you know what? The most important thing that God can do for me is to discipline me and train me in righteousness so that I will have peace in my life, so I will learn the habits of righteousness and of right living, so that I will be transformed. People, listen to me. That's the best thing that God can do for you. It's more important that you be transformed than you get off the hook. God is not in the business of letting anybody off the hook. And I can tell you this today. If you're following Jesus or you're trying to follow Jesus, then God will discipline you. You will experience the consequences for your behavior, the consequences for your attitude. Not because he hates you, but because he loves you. In fact, that's what the Bible says. If, if God doesn't discipline you, as he does all of his children, the Bible says, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Look at the evidence that you belong to God, that you are one of his children, is that God disciplines you, that God changes you. That's the evidence. And so next time you experience the discipline of God in your life, you're experiencing the consequences for your behavior, don't get mad at God, and don't ask God to get you off the hook. Just say, God, thanks. I needed this. I need to be changed. I need to be transformed. This is the only way that you can say goodbye to the old and hello to the new. This is what's going to make you a new person. You need to embrace that discipline that God is bringing into your life right now. 
and say, God, thank you. Thank you for not letting me off the hook. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says, For the Lord disciplines those he loves. Can I say that to you again? God disciplines those that he loves. The evidence that he loves you is that he's disciplining you and training you. Are you ready to receive that from him? If you're here today and you're going through a struggle, just say, God, do that work in my life. Change me. My kids and I, we have discussions all the time. Every time I hand out a ticket, I can tell you this, they're not too happy about it. But then I sit down with them and I say, what would you do if you were me? Would you do anything differently? You know I want you to be a success in life. You know I want you to succeed. You know I want you to have a peaceful, happy life. It's my job. I'm going to answer to God for it someday. What would you do differently? Would you do anything differently? And every single time they all say, Dad, I'd do exactly what you did. I'm not happy about it, Dad, but I'd do what you did. Now listen to me. You need to let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. And you need to be willing to say, God, do that work in me. Change me. Because I don't want to carry on the same old habits, the same old behaviors. I don't want to keep doing the same old things year after year after year after year. My prayer is that in 2012, we'll see massive change right here in this church, in this family. We'll see massive transformations in individual lives as one by one, people will say, God, I want to submit to you. Change me. Would you stand with me, please? God, I know that so many of us today are going through a struggle, that we're in the process of being disciplined by you even now. In fact, as, as pastor of this church, I am experiencing your discipline in my life. And I thank you for it, God. It's not comfortable. And the initial feeling is that I'm not happy about it. But when I stop to consider that you are making me like Jesus, God, it thrills my heart. And so, God, right now, we just want to surrender to you and say, God, have your way in my life. Change me. I don't want to stay the way that I am. God, your word says that you have loved us with an everlasting love, an eternal love. God, I pray right now that you would help us to recognize today that we need to stay in close relationship with you, that we need to respond to your discipline. God, that we would be able to say goodbye to those old ways, those old destructive behaviors and habits, that we would truly be transformed. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your love for us, demonstrated through this discipline. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone say it with me. Now listen, before.